What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. I'm the Editor-in-Chief at ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. Joined, as always, by my esteemed Deputy Editor, John Dixon. John, already, it's Tuesday, September 14th. Have you gotten your first pumpkin spice latte of the season yet? No. Okay. I don't ever get one of those. You don't don't like like pumpkin spice? No, I'm all well, I'm, about. I'm fall. not a coffee drinker. I'm I'm you, not one of those guys that drinks coffee. I forgot. I'm, I'm that, that you, guy. I forgot that you like Coca Cola in the morning. Yeah, is it Coca Cola yeah. or Pepsi? Which one? Uh, it's Diet Coke these days. I okay. was a Pepsi aficionado uh, on the diet side until they stopped using aspartame. Okay, and then it well, became terrible. That's good to know. I have a useless piece of information myself. I don't know how I know this. I'm probably not <laughs> supposed to know this, but Andy Reid is a big Coke Zero drinker. So oh, yeah. if you want to follow in, in the path of the Chiefs head coach, that's how you do it. Listen, we got a great Arrowhead Pride editor sh- show for you. Uh, today, we'll go over the latest in the Chiefs news. We got some snap count takeaways now that the snap counts have been revealed from this Chiefs win over the Browns. Andy Reid spoke to the media on Monday. You'd know that if you listen to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We have it on From the Podium. And then in our final segment, we'll have the world famous marinated takeaways because we actually have a game this week to talk about. And we'll finish up with a popular segment, the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. It's a jam-packed show. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, if you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, as always, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review Spotify, iTunes. I'm not sure if you can leave a review on Spotify, but you can certainly leave one on Apple iTunes. We prefer five stars and complain about John all you want. Compliment yeah. me. That's that's yeah. the thing mm-hmm. we want to do with these. Reviews. That's how that works. Yeah. All Everybody right. thinks I was old. I don't get that. No, you are a young man, right? You are ripe. You're you're 39 years old. I don't know what everyone's yeah, talking yeah. about. No, no, I'm not. But okay. All right. That's enough. We have dilly dallied enough. What are we? We're at two minutes already. Let's get into the news. <laughs> and it starts with Patrick Mahomes, and he's made this a weekly occurrence. Seemingly, Patrick Mahomes nominated for the FedEx. Air NFL Player of the Week. John, you covered this for us at ArrowheadPride.com. What does this even mean? What is it? What are we talking about here? Well, this is just a thing that FedEx sponsors for the NFL, and the winner of the voting each week um, gets a donation made to historically black colleges and universities in their name, a couple thousand bucks. So right. that's cool. And uh, and they pick three players. Oddly enough, not including the Monday night game. I don't know what that's about. The, the games from uh, Thursday through Sunday, they nominate a quarterback and a running back as the air and ground players. Mahomes has won this thing several times, most notably in 2018 when he won it three times and then was named the FedEx Air Player of the Week um, for the whole or for the whole year after right. winning it three times during the season. I think he just won it once in 2019, but not at all last season. So this is good. This is a step forward that he's put in a big statistical game and he's getting recognition for it. Now, this voting is open, as I'm reading, until Wednesday at 2 p.m. Arrowhead time. So plenty of time to get that in. We have the link up at arrowheadpride.com. You'll see it right there. Patrick Mahomes nominated for FedEx Air NFL Player of the Week. I think he deserves it. Right now, he's going up against Tom Brady. Boo, Dak Prescott. Boo. Uh, No Chiefs nominated for the ground player of the week. That goes to Joe Mixon, uh, David Montgomery, and Melvin Gordon. The numbers on these guys, 27 of 36 for 337 and three touchdowns for Pat. Tom Brady, 32 of 50 for 379 yards and four touchdowns versus the Cowboys. But nobody's going to vote for Tom Brady. Come on. And then Dak Prescott in his own right, 
42 of 58 for 403 yards and three touchdowns. I didn't even realize this. Combined with Brady and Prescott, who played each other on Thursday night, that's 108 passes in that game, John. Yeah. Yeah, they they really uh, tore it up on Thursday night uh, this week, which is just what the NFL loves to see. Lots of passing is exciting for most fans. So the NFL is certainly happy with that result. I don't know uh, about this voting. I'm telling you, I I can already tell Dak is going to win this. Dak is going to be the sentimental favorite. People, I think, uh, obviously have Tom Brady fatigue. I think there's a little national Patrick Mahomes fatigue starting to set in where Dak Mm -hmm. Prescott seems to really have, uh, I would say, when you're not a fan of the team, some of that fanfare going on a little bit with him. So there you go. The FedEx Air NFL Player of the Week. Uh, The team, the Chiefs I'm talking about now, they signed a developmental tight end. And for years, we had made fun of Demetrius Harris and the fact that announcers would always talk about how he was a collegiate basketball player and was learning the football. Something similar happened with this new Kansas City Chief to the practice squad. His name is Mark Vital Jr., a vital addition to the Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs. I, I, I'll be here all week, John. <laughs> Let's hope not. Uh, no, okay. yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. And I, I saw someone note yesterday, this is like Tony Gonzalez. Well, not quite. Tony Gonzalez played basketball. You're telling me this practice squad tight end is not Tony J? Okay. No, you want to no. Say that? Okay. Gonzalez played basketball in college, but he didn't specialize in basketball at college mm. at the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. They don't even have a football program, um, which is where Demetrius Harris played. And right. uh, and of course, Baylor has a football team, but but uh, Vital didn't play on the football team uh, in college. He did play some, some high school ball, but you know, it's been a while since he'd done that. So this is just about converting that basketball skill to the pro football NFL tight end position, uh, which, you know, sometimes works well. It did for Harris. Uh, he didn't become Tony Gonzalez, but uh, he was an effective uh, player for the Chiefs and has remained in the league since he left the Chiefs. So we'll see how this works out. Yeah, well, it's going to be tough to break through, I think, this year. This is probably a mm-hmm. project you're talking about for years to come. And you're right. right about Demetrius Harris in the sense that he wasn't necessarily a world beater, but right. he was a nice tight end behind Travis Kelsey. And yep. who knows, how does Vital even fit on this team where you have a, a guy like Jody Fortson and Noah Gray, and, and they're very young and on the come up here. But you always add talent where you see it because mm-hmm. you get to a situation where – Let's talk next preseason. Vitals now had a year learning from Andy Reid and Tom Melvin, and you get to training camp, and you have a guy that is is similar to Fortson. Okay, so maybe next year you keep Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray, and Jody Fortson on the 2022 roster, but this Vital guy, he happened to pop on tape. Boom. Flip it for a sixth-rounder. Extra draft pick for the Chiefs. So there's always reason to add talent, I think, uh, onto the roster. So Mark Vital. A uh, name that you should watch for in the distant, let's say the distant future, unless there is a terrible injury situation on the tight end room, which we don't want to talk about. So let's get on to the snap count takeaways, a 33 to 29 victory. The Chiefs defeating the Cleveland Browns in the first game. It was a thriller on Sunday. We're going to talk more about that game later, but let's dig into the snap counts and what we learned about the team. First and foremost, John. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to emphasize and talk about only the offense here that's only that's as far as i've gotten into the detailed snap counts we use okay. for our analysis um but there were several things that were interesting about it obviously uh we expected uh the offensive line to include three rickies that's what they started for week one of the season they all played all the snaps um all of the backup offensive linemen played except for andrew wiley uh, but they got their snaps in on special teams, except for Mike Remmers, who was in for that one play, the the tackle eligible play that the Browns blew up. Um, the other interesting thing that I think we saw in the offense uh, was at running back, where uh, obviously uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the bell cow of the offense, but he was on the field for the same proportion of running and passing plays. We haven't always seen this. Sometimes we have seen the lead running back uh, used more often on running plays than on passing plays, but Edward Zolaire, Williams, and Jarek McKinnon, uh, McKinnon behind him yeah. all were on the field for pretty much the same 
proportion of running and passing plays. So what that tells us is that the Chiefs are tells us Andy Reid is, is reading your snap count article. I want you to stop right. revealing it. What what this tells us that at least for this game, the Chiefs weren't putting a specific running back out there on the field in a passing situation because they felt that the normal running back couldn't handle it. So this suggests that they are trusting Edwards Hilaire as a pass protector protector and also that they're using him in the passing game more than they would have in previous seasons so i, I love, thought that was one of the interesting takeaways yeah i love when the data matches the press conference because sometimes yeah. you get out mm-hmm. of the press conference and you're like are you sure that you really trust clyde edwards alaire to pass <laughs> protect but the numbers do show that i thought it was interesting here john with the demarcus robinson number we were wondering would the Chiefs finally replace Robinson and some of the snaps that he got with Byron Pringle? But it looked like it was uh-huh. in the 40s to what Byron Pringle having 11 or 12 snaps there. Right. Yeah. And and again, you know, you pay attention to how they are used in running and passing situations, which we can do with the data that we get uh, to do this, which is different than what the NFL puts out in the game books, which is what you typically see. Right. Um, both. Hill and uh, and Robinson were used pretty equally on running and passing plays, but the reserve wide receivers were used mostly on passing plays. So, uh, you know, what that tells you is that Hill and Robinson are the starters at this point and everybody else is behind them. Yeah. Interesting. I really didn't expect that in watching training camp, but the Chiefs continue to trust Robinson who for years the coaching staff would compliment as to knowing the playbook. So, again, we are speculating here from pure numbers, but Byron Pringle, who knows if maybe he has a complicated time learning what would be everything Robinson does. McCole Hardman actually had less snaps than Robinson. I know that, John, you're still working on the defense, but pulling up the game book, I thought it was telling both from a year-by-year comparison, Bolton the Gay and then Bolton the Neiman just in general, you don't have Willie Gay in this game. Bolton outsnaps Ben Neiman 45 mm-hmm. to 40. And so mm-hmm. that shows that the coaching staff really had trust and really saw enough to throw him into the fire in this game. Right, and I think when we finally get the snap counts uh, data accumulated and written up on Arrowhead Pride, you're going to see some interesting breakdowns on how those linebackers were used in running versus passing situations, but we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Normally we get this information, this detailed information that we use for our snap counts analysis on the day after the game, but for reasons that are yet unknown to us, it's been delayed this year and we are, we are, uh, arguing with the NFL to get it out sooner for (laughs) the next week. (laughs) While we're complaining about the NFL, we have a wide variety of individuals as part of this Arrowhead pride team, Ron Kopp, lives in America, Tom Childs, (laughs) lives in the UK, and Tom has access to the All-22 at this point, but Ron, our lead analyst, still dealing with the broadcast film. What is going on, NFL? What is is that about? Goodness gracious. We worked out in the preseason. What are we doing, NFL? Okay, that's enough complaining about the league. Well, Ron has one advantage that Tom doesn't, because Tom, uh, Ron was actually at the game. No accent? Oh. Okay. Yeah, because it, which Tom, of course, was not <laughs> living in, in London. But Ron was not only at the game, but he actually appeared briefly on television, yes. uh, which was very funny for us because it, it, in our little private Slack chat uh, among the Arrowhead Pride staff, it blew up the minute he showed up on TV. Was that Ron Cop? And it turns out that it was. I believe they've been discussing us on Twitter. So if you want to see Ron yeah. Cop mm-hmm. in full yeah. fan form, great analyst for us, but. Yeah. He went full fan on Sunday. He's jumping around at the game, part of what was a very loud Arrowhead Stadium that really yes, impacted the game, especially on that punt. Perhaps we'll get into that in our marinated takeaways in segment three. Ron came at me after the game. Game ends about 7.30. says, I'm, I'm thinking about writing an article tonight. And I didn't hear from him. And he told me <laughs> that he got food poisoning from the Arrowhead Stadium. Oh, food. really? Oh, that no. not... That video on CBS did not look like someone with food poisoning. Luckily, Ron can't comment on this until next week's Arrowhead Pride out of structure. I'm sure he'll have something to say about that. But he does a great job. He had a great article for us up this morning uh, discussing 
um, what was Chris Jones's comments about this game, Mike Hughes's comments about this game. And we love Ron, great member of our pride team. He is indeed. Yep. Okay, that's it for the news. Not really a ton of breaking news early on in the week when you start to enter the NFL season because things are extremely buttoned up until what would be Wednesday when we get our first injury report for the Chiefs and the Ravens. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will go over Andy Reid's press conference from Monday. Stay with us right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon coming at you after the Chiefs' first game of the season, a 33-29 victory over the vaunted Cleveland Browns, who are supposed to be in Tier 2 on the come-up in the AFC. We're supposed to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs, but if you're going to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs, you got to play for 60 minutes, not 53, <laughs> Baker Mayfield. What are we doing? All right. Andy Reid spoke about the game after watching the film, and the first quote that we'll play for you was not really about anything stemming from the game, but it was stemming from before the game. Andy Reid making the call to hold out defensive end Frank Clark, who had been dealing with a hamstring. Safety Tyron Matthew had been away for the team for about two weeks as he was on the COVID-19 list. Here's the head coach. Yeah, I think, listen, I think he was right on the edge of uh, being right. He pushed himself this week. Um, and, and I just didn't, you know, I didn't feel like it was quite all the way back with him. And, and so, um Rather than take steps back with him, you're right. We've been working with this, trying to make sure he gets it right. And, you know, and, and it's not lack of effort or want to play or any of that stuff. It's just a decision I have to make sitting in this chair along with the medical people feeding me the information and Frank communicate so, um, with us. And, and I just thought that that was the best way to go. Um, as, I, as I'm sitting here right now, I haven't met with the medical people, but Yes, he'll be he'll be back, and that again that was a decision I had to make, and, um, and that was more off of the conditioning part, um, you know, and, and just not putting him in a bad position. So um, that, that was that, a little different than Frank's, but kind of that same same thinking that uh, you know just it, I thought it was best if we just had him sit this game and come back for the for the next one here. So from those quotes, John, to me, it sounds like these two players will finally definitely be available for the Baltimore Ravens come Sunday night football. Yeah, in each case, it sounded like uh, the coaching staff made a decision that the players didn't necessarily agree with. They said, but I but this is, I like this about the Chiefs, that they're always thinking about the long term. You know, yes, Cleveland is a tough opponent. You want to have your best players on the field for that. But we have to be concerned about the whole season. And uh, so it makes sense to them to uh, let both of these guys rest for another week so that they'll be ready to go and perhaps play for more games than they would if they had played in week one. So I appreciate that in the Chiefs, that they're always thinking about the long-term consequences of the decisions that they make. One of my favorite sports figures in general comes to mind when you hear a situation like this, and that's Pop, Coach Pop of the San Antonio Spurs, Greg Popovich. And... I'll tell you, John, I know you're not a big NBA fan, but something he'll do, especially in the mid to the late season, is say, all right, veteran players, just stay in San Antonio. We'll go and maybe lose to the Los Angeles Lakers. And it ticks the NBA off because all these Laker fans have brought, bought these tickets to see the best players on the team. But he doesn't care because he knows mm -hmm. that he is judged by what? The record? and getting a high enough seed, and if he feels his seed is good enough, but more importantly, how you do in the postseason. And sure. guess what? That's where we're at in Kansas mm -hmm. City, right? Mm -hmm. So right. not to say that Andy Reid would have been comfortable losing this game, but he sees what's going on here. There's an extra ga game this year. It's a 17-game season. Why have a setback for Frank Clark, who you are going to need, hate to say this, but you're going to need 
to win in the playoffs. And then Tyron Matthew, probably, maybe you can make a case for Jones, but probably is your most important defensive player. If there's anything a little off with him, why put him in a position where he can't succeed, where he may get injured, where he's not ready, maybe looks bad, hold him back, take it out of the hands of the player, and he'll be back stronger next week. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it was a wise move. It's not maybe one I would have made. I don't, made. I, I don't know if I'd be that brave to make right. that move. But but Andy Reid was, and I think it's a credit to him that he was, you know, had the, the chutzpah to do it. And the Chiefs suffered without Matthew, especially in yeah. the first half. I, again, I'm eager to talk to Steve Spagnolo on Thursday. I can already predict how this is going to go down. I'm going to ask about last game. He's going to get confused because he's so forward thinking. He's always said that. I don't <laughs> even think about last game. And we don't get the coordinators until Thursday. So I'm going to try to preface it. If you listen to From the Podium, you'll hear me as I try to preface it on Thursday. Coach, I know you're thinking about the Ravens, but could you dial back and tell me what you did against the Cleveland Browns in the second half? Because I'm, I'm curious in his words, what adjustments they made because without yeah. Matthew, because it was a, a lot more successful as we saw in the second half. Andy Reid also discussed the run game. There was one weakness to the offense on Sunday. It was the run game. Clyde, as you mentioned, he rushed 14 times for 43 yards, which I used a calculator on. This is about three yards per attempt. Here was Andy Reid. Yeah, I think just the, the physical part of it with that defensive line, they were rolling there pretty good the first half. And I just thought that we needed to, uh, you know, bear down just a little bit more with our, with our young offensive line and, and give them an opportunity to, you know, establish something there and that, that was strong. And so decided to run the football a little bit and give them an opportunity to come off and, work the physical part of the game a little bit more. And then as you would hear, my question was, okay, how would you say the offensive line did in the run game? Here's Reed again. Yeah. Um, well, I thought we, I thought we came off and we got bodies on bodies. I thought we did a pretty good job with that. Um, uh, and then I think we've got to just coordinate a little bit more with the, the line and then the running back and, um, and, and how they're going about their business together. I, I think that becomes important. You, the, the runner can, the runners can set things up better or the old line needs to have an idea where that better idea of what the running back's trying to get done with his part. And, and so um, I've got to make sure that I, I get that straightened out um, uh, as we go. And, and between Andy Heck and EB and Greg, I mean, that, that group right there has a pretty good understanding of it, right? A lot of years, uh, as running backs and offensive linemen within that group there. So um, I, I have confidence I'll get taken care of. So I think some growing pains here with the offensive line and the run game, and that is to be expected not only when it's three rookies, which we have talked about ad nauseum here on this network, but also in the sense that while Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney are world-class at what they do, this is five new players playing with one another. And they're not only playing with one another, they're also playing with a new running back. And so Andy Reid happy, it sounds like, with the one-on-one -on -one contact, but they just need to get in sync with the movement of Edward Zolaire. And so this is a work in progress, and I think we'll see this have more success as we go, John. I completely agree. Um, as you know, I was in they won't start three rookies camp uh, all offseason. And uh, I was a late convert to this. But uh, now that they've made the decision to do this, which is, a, again, a smart, long-term decision for the franchise, another example of the Chiefs thinking about the long-term here, um, it's going to take a little time for these players to really play at the level they're capable of playing. And I think we need to give them a little slack for that. Um, but, you know, honestly, I thought the difference between the first half and the second half was pretty noticeable. In the offensive line, it seemed like just in one half of football, they they solved some problems and, and made things a little better. So that's a good sign. But I think we'll see more of that as the opening games of the season go on. And I think we're going to see a really good unit by the time the, the postseason gets here. Yeah, I don't think it's worth it for you to beat yourself up about the online. I think it shocked a lot of us. Uh, Andy Reid in, in, in the past have just he's tended to go with veterans along the line, mm -hmm. at least to start yeah. the year. And so yeah. this was very different than what he usually does. I remember we did a 
headlines section, we tried to predict headlines that would be shocking to us or bold. And one of the things I was trying to be bold about was, man, how cool would it be if the Chiefs started three rookies on the offensive line? <laughs> Making fun of myself right now. And it came to fruition. And I, I think it was just as shocking to me as it was to you. Speaking of the offense and working in Patrick Mahomes and the passing having more success, my goodness, that pass to Tyree Kill was a oh game my. changer. Yeah. And so often we talk about the mind meld between Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I think there's a little bit of that with Tyree Kill, and I think you saw it on display on Sunday at a very important time of the game. Here's Andy Reid on that chemistry. Yeah, listen, it's a weird thing, sir. And sometimes you see guys who just have a chemistry with one another and kind of can think uh, where the other guy's going to be and and what they're thinking when they're throwing. You know, it's just a, there's a chemistry. And those two have that. But then also Tyreek, you've seen enough of these long balls where he's had to adjust to them uh, and come back to the ball or, or he's running a, all the way across the field uh, on a scramble drill. And he just has a unique uh, feel for the ball. He, he would have been a great center fielder. I mean, he just he, he's able to track the, the ball and, and uh, is, is uncanny with that. And he's so fast. When he gets going, you're spending a lot of effort trying to keep up with him. And then he can stop on a dime and you end up flying by and he's in position to make the play. So he's a, he's a unique character that way. And I, I, I think he's right here. Uh, of course he is because he, he's with them every day and he designs plays for him. But Tyree Kill, let's talk about one aspect of his game. The, the tracking, I don't know if there's another wide receiver in the NFL and Going to the top 100, there were three players that were ranked above him. It was Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and Stefan Diggs. So let's just talk about those players. Great wide receivers. I don't know if, 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 let, let's throw Hopkins out of it because Hopkins might slightly be better. He had that, that game winning catch last year. But the other two, I don't know if they're better than Hill at the tracking of the ball mm -hmm. yeah. in the sense of Diggs and Adams with a ball hanging in there being able to find it and high point it. We saw Hopkins beat the Bills last year on that. So, again, I'll, I'll give him that there. But Hill's right there, in, in my opinion. And I think we saw that on Sunday. We joked a, a friend of Arrowhead Pride, Aaron Ladd, was really bold with his question. Let's just say that in the press conference after the game. <laughs> and said, do you, just, you know, do you go with the meme? You just say F it and throw it down to Tyree Kill. And Mahomes was like, sometimes it'd be like that. And it really looked like that. And he just said, okay, it's Tyreek Hill one-on-one. -on -one. And because it was like a little underthrown, that actually was a benefit on this one particular play. Well, I think this is one of those cases where the national narrative uh, kind of affects it even at the local level. You yeah. know, Tyreek Hill is just seen as this really fast receiver, as if that's all there is to his game. And we probably feel the same way about other receivers that we know about that are on other teams that we don't follow as closely. And we probably just think about that one thing that they do really well. I don't think the national media has really caught up with how good Hill is at tracking passes because they're so focused on the speed that he has. And obviously, that's a big part of his game. But I think one of the reasons that he's now among the NFL's elite receivers, instead of just being this really speedy guy, is that he's got that ability and he shows it over and over and over again. And I think uh, Sunday's game was an excellent, and particularly that play, uh, was an excellent example of how good he is at, uh, at you know, adjusting to the flight of the ball so that he can bring it in. 2020 was the year of Travis Kelsey when it came to Kansas City Chiefs making a push to lead the league in receiving. This already feels like Tyree Kill's year to maybe yeah. get close to 2,000 yards. Again, yeah. with the extra game, if he can just stay healthy. We talked about the chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. And he's entering, I think, a phase of his career where even if you double him, he is finding ways and has these polished routes and enough to just get away from the opposing defenses and if that's going to be the case and he has a little bit of room he's going to be gone and yeah. he said after the game he felt he left yards on the field what he had 197 <laughs> yards how many does he want each game right it's, yeah. it's just crazy to me so 
something to watch as the year goes on. Switching back to the defense as we wrap up Andy Reid, we talked about Nick Bolton outsnapping Ben Neiman 45 to 40. He were here was Reed's quotes on Nick Bolton. Yeah, I thought, listen, I thought Nick did a, a pretty good job. Uh, he had uh, a couple of real secure tackles that were important for us. Um, it looked like uh, mentally he was able to digest everything that they threw at him. And um, if he did make a mistake, he, he fixed it the second time around. So uh, at, in, on defense, if you're a repeat offender, man, that could be a tough deal on uh, on the defense, so uh, you know he, he's good. He's been good with that, and he, he was good with that in the game. So Bolton, in his debut, finishes with seven tackles for solo, and the one that stuck out to me the most was that early tackle on Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. where Nick Chubb looked to have a touchdown. Had Bolton not tracked him down, he did later in the game. Shout out to Joshua Kando in his first game. I know that he's a little bit more raw than Bolton, but. Bolton wrapped up Nick Chubb, who is one of the better backs and the tougher backs to wrap up in the NFL. And what a test. What a test going against uh, Chubb and and Hunt and finding some success. You're not going to face many tougher challenges and, and players to tackle uh, than these two guys in the NFL. Oh, I completely agree. And I, I was very impressed with how uh, Bolton looked uh, in this game. But I've been sneaky... Uh, confident that we were going to see that kind of play out of Bolton uh, this year. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I've been, I'm very pleased to see this happen in the first game, but I think people, a lot of people have underestimated him uh, because he wasn't the big name linebacker that uh, people wanted the chiefs to take. Right. Uh, and, but I think this is one of those cases where their knowledge of a particular team comes from within, you know, they have, um, a former Missouri coach is the assistant to Dave Tobe. And I think in this case, they got some inside information about Bolton and what he's capable of doing and uh, how he is as a teammate, those kinds of things. And those things matter a lot to the Chiefs. And I think that we're going to see quite a bit out of this player as the season progresses. I'm I'm glad, I'm, I'm not happy that Willie Gay is injured, but I'm glad that Bolton is getting this opportunity uh, with his injury to get some time on the field and, and show people what he can really do. Yeah, the Mizzou coach you mentioned, Andy Hill, that is a great point by you, just having the experience with Bolton to know. And I think it's fair to say after this game, and granted it's one game, so let's see how he does next week against the Ravens, but I think it's fair to say after this game, he's pretty pro-ready, which Willie Gay frankly wasn't. Might not have been Gay's fault for not having that offseason. Bolton did. But now Gay is going to be champing at the bit to get back involved in this defense. And when he does, you're going to have Hitchens and Bolton and Gay. That is a strong linebacker core. Yeah. I mean, these guys stay healthy. And then you have Neiman, who is a backup slash special teams type of guy, which is what he is supposed to be. That's why right. Neiman gets a bad rap in going back years. That's why Daniel Sorensen, to an extent, got a bad rap because remember, there was no Tyron Matthew in those days when everyone wanted to cut Sorensen. And Eric Berry wouldn't get on the field. And everyone was like, well, why is the safety play suffering? Because he's supposed to be the number two safety. He's supposed to be a backup safety. Same thing with Ben Neiman. Ben Neiman is a fantastic backup linebacker, special team guy, reliable in the NFL, right? It's just in these recent years, he's been thrown into the fire because of injuries and sometimes gets exploited. So, all right, enough of me defending And both of those players, both of those players made huge plays in this game, too. Agreed. Agreed. With the fumble recovery and the the hit on Baker Mayfield. They had their moments where they didn't look very good, but they also both made huge key plays in this game and the game might have come out differently. I was going to say before I get attacked on on Chiefs Reddit now, John, but now now you will also be included in that. So thank you for coming down (laughs) into the fire. I'm I'm always here for you, Pete. Yeah, I appreciate that. So that wraps up Andy Reid. If you want to listen to the full press conference, it's available right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network by going to listen to From the Podium. When we come back, it is the world famous marinated takeaway. Stay with us right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, wrapping it up, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. Now that we've had a few days to think about this 33-29 to win over the Cleveland Browns, we will give our world-famous marinated takeaways, John as we always do, age before beauty. Let's go ahead and start with you. Yeah, I've been uh, thinking about it, and I hadn't really thought about this much until uh, yesterday, but I think we ought to be really impressed with what the special teams did uh, in Sunday's game. Um, you know, that that play where the Browns kicker fumbled the snap. Well, he didn't fumble it. He, he, he didn't field it well. And then was running around like an idiot trying to figure out a way to get upfield. <laughs> uh, the the uh, the special teams unit did a fantastic job of enveloping him and bringing him down. I mean, that's not that's not the kind of play that really impresses people, but it's the kind of coaching that uh, brings about that kind of play that that matters. Um, and I think also, you know, Tommy Townsend did a great job. Harrison Butker, Butker was perfect. Uh, yep. We saw a couple of examples of why Chris Lamons is on this team. A lot of people were been out of shape because, you know, Tobe once again seemed to have, you know, used his influence with Andy Reid to get a special teams guy on there. But Lamons showed why they wanted him on the team. So right. that's one of the things that really, as, as I've thought about it, that's one of the things that's impressed me about Sunday's game. Yeah, with the Lemons uh, addition, you can make a case that that is the reason why the Chiefs lost Tim Ward, who was mm -hmm. having some snaps, it sounded like, with the Jets game over the weekend and the Jets losing to the, uh, who did they lose to? The Carolina Panthers, 19-14. But uh, Ward ended up going to the Jets because the Chiefs kept Lemons. But that's a good point. That's a reason the Chiefs kept them. And you need special teamers. I know it's right. the third phase of the game, and maybe you can make a case for edge depth but look the Chiefs were able to get it done my first marinated takeaway is one that involves Tyron Matthew and Chris Jones and I guess you could call it one bad one good it was on full display on Sunday just how critical Tyron Matthew is to the defense they were lost in the first quarter and the second quarter I, I talked about the adjustments and I'm curious as to what exactly they did but they need Tyron Matthew on this field to organize this defense. And it goes into the contract situation. I know that recent reports have said this could get done at the end of this year. Uh, we'll see. I wonder how that plays into Orlando Brown with his contract situation set to run out as well. One, one of these guys only can be franchise tagged. But they either need to figure out a way to get Tyron Matthew extended, even though he's approaching the age of 30, or find someone who's going to be able to do what he does when it comes to an organization uplifting standpoint. And I got news for you. There's not a lot of players in the league that are like this guy. Uh, he needs to also be here in my mind to mentor that next person. So when you do have to move on to Tyron Matthew, because he's not ageless, none of us are ageless, right? You have that player to step up and to take the reins and to make sure the defense um, does not falter when he is no longer playing. And let's figure out this thing. I, I know that it is unlikely to happen during the season. It's a way more rare for something to take place during the season. But they cannot, under any circumstances, let this guy go. They can't. They can't. And that gets me to my other point, and this is a little bit more of the good. I think Chris Jones, there have been games when we've expected Chris Jones to step up and be a leader, and he ends up having a quiet day. This, to me, was the game. You don't have Frank Clark. 
You don't have Tyron mm, Matthew, as I just yeah. mentioned. Your defense stunk in the first half. You yeah. needed to make a big play, and that sack set the tone and was huge when it yeah. came to the comeback. And so we talk about Anthony Hitchens as a leader. We talk about Tyron Matthew as a leader. This was a leadership-style game for Chris Jones, and I said he's going to break the sack record. Chandler Jones stopped that in Arizona. We got the two sacks from Chris Jones. We have 21 to go. John. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's never, never give up, Pete. Never give up. No, under any circumstances. Sixteen games, twenty-one sacks to go. We're okay. I wrote down almost exactly the same thing for my second, uh, my second marinated take from the game, and I, I, I wrote about this on Sunday night, and I, I've just felt more and more strongly about it as the days have gone on. I'll include Frank Clark in this because uh, Clark and Matthew together were the the primary motivating factors in changing the attitude of this defensive unit among the players. Yeah. And I think this was the first game that Matthews missed uh, since he became a chief. Right. And um, Clark has obviously missed some games, but it's the first time they've both been out. And the, the difference was obvious. And I think the defense gets a lot of, should get a lot of credit for getting it figured out in the second half without these two players. I'll tell you when I got it right. And, I'll be happy to explain when I got it wrong. I thought Mike Dana would have more of an impact with Frank Clark out and some of what I saw in St. Joe did not translate. Now, this was a big spot. It's not going to be the last time Mike Dana has to step up. We know that Frank Clark not only deals with injuries from time to time, sometimes that stomach thing that he has can pop up. I'm sure that Mike Dana will have other opportunities, but uh, Frank Clark is a different animal. And hopefully with some of this rest when it comes to the Chiefs that he comes back stronger when it's time for Sunday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens. All right, John, let's go to your next marinated takeaway. Um, that was about the uh, usage of the tight ends. There's been a lot of talk uh, mm-hmm. since the final cutdown about the Chiefs having four tight ends on the roster and the magical 1-4 personnel where we have uh, four tight ends and one running back on the field. Well, they didn't do that at all. Uh, on Sunday, I have counted in the detailed snap count information that there were four instances of one three personnel during Sunday's game, um, which is nice that they've got the personnel to do that and uh, do something with it. We didn't see any one four. That doesn't mean we won't. Ooh. I think we're going to see that at specific instances, but we didn't see any on Sunday. We want the T-Rex. We want the T-Rex. I'm ready to see it in a regular game, as you can tell from my chanting that I'm doing alone. John, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I agree with you. I, I think that this is um, this is going to be a very interesting thing that the Chiefs are, are going to do, but I think they're going to do it only in specific circumstances when it matters to them, and we just didn't see those on Sunday. I think we found out why the Chiefs were going after a Josh Reynolds and a Juju Smith-Schuster, because they're still playing Demarcus Robinson for the leading snaps of what would be the third option. Uh, we didn't see what we thought we might see from Clyde Edwards-Alaire. McCole um, Hardman was underwhelming. The Chiefs are still very much looking for a third option, not to say that one of these guys can't emerge in the passing game, but it was extremely Travis Kelsey heavy. It was extremely Tyreek Hill heavy. He had more than 10 targets in this game, and there are going to be better defenses. Not many, because I think the Browns are really good, but there are going to be better defenses playing well when you get to playoff time because that's usually when you face the better teams who to an extent are going to be able to curb what Hill and Kelsey do we think right that might not come into the Super Bowl last year it didn't really affect the Chiefs until the Super Bowl but there will be a day when they need some of that supplemental production and week one it looked like no one was ready to take those reins quite yet in my opinion well we have seen this argument all we, uh, ever since the game you know what are they going to do on the day that they managed to shut down both yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And uh, obviously that's going to be a problem. Right. But how do you do that? You do that by double teaming both of those players. And if you do that, then the other and, problem will take care of itself. <laughs> and you can only really rush four in that type of situation too. So a lot, ha- let's keep in mind, a lot has to go your way. Now the devil's advocate in that is that there are things that happen in football. You're always going to get an injury in a game, right? Not to assume that one of these guys is, is going to get injured, but you got to have other players sure. that are re- yeah. ready, essentially. Yeah. 
I pulled up the targets exactly, and I, it was more than 11. Tyreek Hill, 11 receptions. It was 15 targets. Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. had seven targets. The next guy was Clyde Rizalera and McCole Hardman with three targets apiece. I just, I think you're going to need at some point one of these other players to step up. And like I said, I, I think that's why you saw the Chiefs interested in Reynolds. I think that's why you saw the Chiefs inter- interested in Smith-Schuster. Um, and it didn't work out. And now we'll see if one of these other guys can step up during the year. Well, and and Antonio Callaway on that list too. Um, right. They, they thought that yeah. maybe he could get get something out. They could get something out of him, but then he ended up being injured. We could see him again before the season is out because he was released with an injury settlement. So he's when he's better, uh, he could end up coming back to the team. So we'll see. Okay, John, let's go to your final marinated takeaway from this game. Well, actually, that's all of mine. Okay, because, you got your, because your we had the same one in the middle there. Do you have another one? I have one final thing, and I, I think you'll like this one, especially John. Kind of alluded to this in my rapid reaction after the game, and it's just this. Remember when the Chiefs were that team starting Alex Smith or Matt Castle, and you knew whenever you were playing a Green Bay Packers, a Peyton Manning-led Broncos, Tom Brady-led Patriots. The only way, and you were good enough to beat them, but the only way you were going to beat them was to have a perfect day. 60 Mm. minutes of flawless football. Guess what? You are that freaking team. That is what is so cool right now about covering the Kansas City Chiefs. Other teams can come in and have a day. We talked about it. The Browns came in, dominated the first half offensively. They played well enough. They had a key mistake in the third quarter um they didn't really touch the football essentially so that was the advantage chiefs and then they sort of fell apart in front of the arrowhead stadium crowd they to an extent played 50 ish minutes of solid football if you take away that one mistake by chubb which came in the third quarter teams need to come in and play perfect they need to play 60 minutes of perfect mistake free football to beat the kansas city chiefs and that's where you're at with this team the chiefs can play bad and still be good teams that is the peyton manning broncos that was the tom brady patriots and i guess to an extent right now because i didn't think the bucks played well on thursday the tampa bay uh, buccaneers led by tom brady the old aaron Rodgers packers when they weren't having problems with one another and and rogers was still enjoying his time there you're that team now And what I think is so cool, John, uh, about this is every single week you've entered the era of Kansas City Chiefs football where you're the measuring stick. The Browns Mm -hmm. are going to go home and they're going to say, look, we have a moral victory, even though there's no moral victories in football. And we feel pretty good about where we're at. We can't get over that Chiefs hump. That's what every AFC AFC team right now is gunning for. And how cool is it? to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan in this era where that should exist. We would expect for the next five, 10 years, as long as Mahomes is here and as long as they uh, keep him happy and keep building around him. And and the reason why this happens was on full display on Sunday, that one play drive, the 75-yard pass to Tyreek Hill. And with players like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, you didn't see that that often, but we see it pretty regularly with Patrick Mahomes where when he's motivated to do it and when he's got to do it in that moment, he does, you know, he finds that matchup and uh, fires the rocket to Tyreek Hill, who then makes the defensive back look stupid so much so that he has to go to the goal. He gets to go to the goal line and think about doing a backflip into the end zone and then decide not to. I mean, that was, that was an embarrassing play uh, for the Cleveland defense. And it's, you know, Mahomes can do that. Tyreek Hill can do that. Travis Kelsey can do that. Yeah. And and this is why they're never out of a game. Um, you know, yes, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, those guys do come back in games, but they don't come back in quite the same way that Patrick Mahomes does. And they, they don't threaten it in quite the same way that Mahomes does. Um, you know, I, I, I noticed in the, in the game when the, at the end, it was at the end of the half where they did the, uh, the, 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 the hail Mary situation and they threw a short pass and set up laterals down the field, yeah. you know, Patrick Mahomes had just throw it up. 
Right. You know, Baker Mayfield, they decided to use the short pass and try and lateral to the to the goal line. And they almost pulled it off. Give them credit. Right. They did a nice job of running that play. Uh, and uh, but the Chiefs don't have to do that anymore. They can just let Patrick Mahomes and his receivers figure out a way to get it done. Yeah, I would say that the pass to Tyree Kill might have been the best thing we saw all week. Mm-hmm. How about the best yeah. Chiefs thing we heard all week? Let's go. <laughs> What a segue. ES- yes, thank you very much. Let's go to ESPN and the alternate broadcast of Monday Night Football where it's the Manning brothers and Travis Kelsey. Signals, looking for calls. Tell us kind of what you I mean. Doing. Yeah, especially if it's a divisional game or if it's a game we got coming up where we play we play the, Ra- the Raiders obviously twice a year and then yeah. we're playing Baltimore here soon. So, I mean, I'm looking at everything. I'm trying not to, you know, get too technical with it. Just because we got the Chargers, I believe, this week. Actually, I don't even know. I think we might even play Baltimore next week. <laughs> I'm lost. I'm lost in the season already. I no, I, uh... team. <laughs> How does he not know? How does he not know? With Monday football coming on, Monday night football coming on, that the Chiefs play the Ravens next week? I love it. I think it's great that he has no idea because that's exactly what you want from your team. You don't want your team thinking about, oh, my God, we've got to play the Ravens next week or we've got to play. You don't want them thinking about that. You want them focusing on the preparation that they're being given. I think it's great that Travis Kelsey is confused about what the next game is. If you ever thought that the Chiefs planned for the next team in advance, that has been put to rest. (laughs) Travis Kelsey has been here for eight years. They go really and truly one day at a time. Just as they should. All right. That's it for the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. If you'd enjoyed it, I ask you to do the same again. Please rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Coming up this week, it's another new date episode of the Great British Chief Show where Tom Childs will discuss his power rankings among everything else we have a new arrowhead drive we'll continue on this week with the arrowhead pride interview series a show in bk ron the show hugley is expected to be back after ron you took a week one vacation i don't care if it's your 10th wedding anniversary we have to be focused on the nfl season (laughs) what are we doing I hope you enjoyed your time with us today. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.